Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. At breakfast, before I left with some gentlemen, we were talking, and I was asked this question. Why do you go in a foreign country? Why do you go to a place like Mexico? Why do you go to a place like Haiti? Why do you go to Honduras? Can't you do the work here? Can't you take the money that you'd spend and go to those places and spend it here? I want you to hear what Jesus said about this. You know, I I can sit and tell you all day long what I think. Well, what did Jesus say about this? Look at verse 8. You got to remember the context and the setting here. These are the last words. This was what was on Jesus' mind. When he left, right before his ascension, and right before he went back to heaven, verse 8, he said, But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. Now, I need to repeat that. We all know that we're after the cross And we all know and understand because of the book of John that when we receive Jesus, we receive what? The Holy Spirit. We receive the gift of salvation. Jesus said, now he's looking at a group that the Holy Spirit had not come. You got that, right? And that the Holy Spirit was going to come and fill all of the believers. Didn't do it at all one time, but okay. After that, when we received Jesus, after the Holy, the Comforter, the Paraclete came, then everyone at that point, once we receive Jesus, believe in Jesus, accept Jesus, we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. But what did Jesus say about that? He said, when the Holy Spirit comes into you, you will receive power, and here's what you'll do. You will tell people about me. About who? About Jesus. Where? Everywhere. And then he defines everywhere. He says in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and here it goes, to the ends of the earth. Where's that? Well, you could say that's where Honduras is at. That's the way you feel when you're there. You wonder, can I go any deeper into what I'm seeing that's making me very uncomfortable? Can I see anything any worse than what I'm seeing? I'm sure you can. We see it on TV all the time. We're numb to it. You are physically numb, mentally, and you're sensitive when you watch little children on, on TV, whether it be James Robinson or whatever you're watching, and you see little kids' stomachs swollen out here, not because they're overfed, but why? Because they're starving to death. One of the interpreters in, uh, that was with us, he said, that, and he did, he lived in a very different part of Honduras, 
He lived in, on the top of a mountain. And he told the story. He said, my kids are so spoiled. I said, good Lord, I've been over where you live. How could they be spoiled? You don't have anything to spoil them with. What he was talking about where we, you saw it on the film where these guys are cranking this, looked like a, it just, well, what it was, a water pump. And this was a well for the village that we were in. We were all standing there getting water for the Miss Gloria, as Tracy said. We went down the bottom of the hill about a mile or so away and got their water. In the meantime, here come this little petite, she couldn't have been over 70, 80 pounds. She must have been close to 70, 70 years old. She had a five-gallon bucket in her hand. She had a Wesson oil bottle and a bowl. Well, I just happened to put her five-gallon bucket water under. It was either Gary or one of them that were pumping the water. And I, just, I got it within four inches. She said, further. Well, she wanted it at the top. And I thought, okay. At the top, that five-gallon bucket of water, somebody equated about 40 pounds. Then we filled up her Wesson oil bottle. And I said, do you want me to fill your bowl up too? I didn't know how she going to get She said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, how is this woman going to do this? She put that bowl on her head. Picked up by herself, 70 years old, that 40 gallons of water and put it on her head. Held it with one hand and picked up the Wesson oil bottle full of water. And there she went to walking. Now, I can hear some of you women now. Why in the world didn't y'all help her? We were all so amazed and stunned. We, we said, I don't believe I could pick that and put that on my head, number one. And balance it wherever she had to go. Here's what the missionary said, and he took a picture of it. He said, I'm going to take this back to my kids because my kids have a water tank in the backyard. We don't have running water, but we got a water tank, and they don't have to go but about 25 yards with, with water. And I'm going to show them that they bellyache all the time because they got to go out there and open that spigot and let all that rainwater come in so we can bring water into the house. I'm going, man. We don't bring water. We don't haul water. You just turn on the spigot. I looked in the big barrel of the water that was at Miss Gloria's, and I looked down in there, and there was live things crawling in it. I said, guys, what the heck is all that? It's mosquito larvae. I thought, oh, God, I hope they filtered that because I know they have to cook with it because we was eating there. Jesus said, and maybe here's the question, should we be missionary? Are we exempt from it? No. Ladies and gentlemen, you that are here today, Jesus said, as he was standing in Jerusalem, When we receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into our life, we then are commissioned to tell people about Jesus everywhere. You know what's sad about that? Y'all spend more time talking about deer hunting 
golfing. I like all of it. Fishing. You talk about your grandkids. I mean, you'll, get, you'll strike up a conversation and don't make no sense what you're talking about, but you'll talk for hours and not think one minute does that person need to hear about Jesus. Jesus said, I'm just telling you what, I'm just a paper boy. He said, if Jesus is in your heart and he's in your life, you'll quit gossiping about people. And you'll gossip the gospel. Your heart will then be torn, uh, torn toward a passion for people. Now look, when a person dies, do you think one minute about whether or not they were saved or not? Where I live, didn't know it. The other day, they found a lady, or I think it's a lady, dead. And they put her in a body bag. Don't know all the details yet about that situation. Not too far from my house. Walking distance. Immediately my thought was, oh gosh, if that's the woman I think it is, I've seen her walking. Just like they do in Honduras. I wonder if she was saved. But you know when it's your children... By the way, I didn't announce this, but next Sunday we're having baptismal service. So if you've been saved, next Sunday we're going to baptize you. But you know what? Do you think about your grandkids be getting saved? Do you think about your mom and your dad getting saved? Do you think about all the relatives you have? Do you think about their salvation? You should. If the Holy Spirit is in us, we are told... That we are to be concerned about people everywhere. Where? About their salvation. I appreciate what Butch does because Butch does something through Damascus Road and Jeff and others that they don't just look at the addictive behavior and deal with that. They also deal with their spiritual lives. Butch knows this, and, and, and all these guys know this. What good would it be to get you free from alcohol? You never get saved and bust hell wide open when you die. You say, well, I died sober. Well, if you went to hell, what good's that? If I ended up hell, I hope I'd be drunk the rest of my life. <laughs> they tell them about Jesus. I tell them about Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We share Jesus. You say, well, that's just not spiritual. Well, Jesus says it is. As a matter of fact, right before he left, he said, guys, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you will tell everybody about me. Starting at home, and then Judea and Samaria, which is Georgia and the United States, and then the other continents at the end of the world. Look, it's biblical to go outside. Now, 25 years ago, I'll agree with you. Not many, not many mission trips are going on. What we normally do then is pray and send money with somebody that would go. But today, we have different avenues and different places to go. You know, my prayer and vision would be if you're healthy, God would give you the permission that you would take that opportunity because that's an opportunity that, honestly, could change your life. Sometimes I bellyache about things, and then I get to thinking about where I left. 
Y'all belly ache? How hot it is? Well, then you just go in there and turn the air conditioner on. And you know what you belly ache then? The power beam. Then you belly ache because something. Two o'clock this morning, my dogs were barking. Well, so I was already up, so I just went out there and shined the lights, all their eyeballs, and went back in the house. Over there, there was about 2,000 dogs barking. You wear, between me and Tracy, we snore like freight trains. I surprise you, he's a constant roar. <laughs> it's the only place that he and I get put, teamed up together, and I get earplugs. I don't know what he does. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I have been commissioned to be a missionary. Well, what is a missionary? According to the Bible, a missionary or the Webster Dictionary defines a missionary as a person sent on mission, especially on a religious mission. If that's true, then every Christian is a missionary. Why? Because we have a message, right? Let me ask you a quick question because I, I, I do this all the time over there. Do you know that you're saved? Do you, do you have any clue that if you were to die right now that where you go? Because if you know without a shadow of a doubt that you'd go to be with Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit and you have been commissioned as a missionary of Jesus to tell others. About what he's done. Man, that special nailed it. It nailed it. It's what Jesus did on the cross. To give us eternal life. Acts 20 verse 24. Paul said it this way. But my life is worth worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful Kindness and love and grace. My grandmother was a rather difficult woman. She loved Mikey. That was me. You heard that commercial, Mikey will eat anything? Well, little Mikey didn't ever do any wrong in my mama's eyes. Now, I have two sisters and a brother. And the two sisters and my brother... Hey, guys, y'all get it together there. My two sisters and brother are very jealous of me. You want to know why? Because in my mamaw's eyes, Mikey never done no wrong. What she didn't see was I was hiding everything I did wrong. I was, I was sneaky. You know what I'm talking about? Well, you know what? My grandmother didn't go to church. And every opportunity I had, I said, Memo, I hope when you die and I die that we get to see one another heaven. Then she go to crying. Well, you know I'm saved. I said, well, to be honest with you, if I knew you were saved, I wouldn't be talking to you. You don't ever go to church. You don't ever talk about Jesus. I have to bring it up to you. And then you cry. Because you said, 
You ought to know I'm saved. The problem is I didn't know if she, I, honestly, I do not know if my grandmother is in heaven today or not. I got to wait till I get there. Don't know. Is that, is that the way it is with you? Would someone have to come and ask you? Are you a believer? Because you're not, you're not telling anybody. You're not witnessing anybody. You're so caught up in the world pleasure. You're so caught up in the, in the world things that are jerking us around and, and, and twisting us. And, and you're so caught up in, in, in all of the stuff that you're doing. And you don't ever talk about Jesus. You don't even think about Jesus. But you say, I'm saved. Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. Christians become new persons. All of the newness of life is from God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against him. This is the wonderful message God's given to us to tell others. We're God's ambassadors and is using us to speak to you. God made Jesus who never sinned to be the sin offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. Listen to this statement. I think that every person on earth is either a missionary or they're a mission field. Do you know the difference? You're either somebody God can count on because you've received and accepted Jesus or somebody needs to tell you about Jesus. Somebody needs a witness to you and see where you're at. You say, well, I, I just don't believe that, that I'm commanded to do that, Mike. I don't believe it and, and, and that I have to. Oh, yes, you do. If you're a believer. Now, you're lost. You just need somebody to tell you. I, I hear people all the time, well, I just can't talk. Well, it's an amazing thing. You can talk about everything else in the world. You can tell everybody, and, and man, you can go on and on until you bore them to death. Now, is it easy to talk to people about Jesus? Not necessarily. You want to know why? Many of them don't want to hear it. They just don't want to hear it. But you know what? We need to still be willing, and God's able to use us to do that. He needs to be able to count on us. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore, which means while you're going, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded unto you. And lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. You know what missions is simply? In a, I mean, you could, you could say this. Missions is this, just being a witness for Jesus. Gosh, I hope none of you die before I do. But when you do and you go here, normally you say, well, preacher Mike, do my funeral. And I've done a bunch of them. 
But if I was going on your witness today, and that's how you're living, what people perceive of you, what would I be able to say? I mean, you want me to tell the truth, right? Well, what would I be able to say? Based on how you're living right now. Would you be a missionary? Or would someone consider you the mission field? You need to be told. Rather than you telling somebody else. You know, being a... a, A witness is not dependent upon your personality. It's not dependent on your persuasiveness. It's not dependent on your position. It is dependent on the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you know every day we should wake up and say, okay, God, thank you for letting me get up here today, but God, send the people in my path that you want me to speak to. You know he'll do that, right? But, man, if you're not doing it, he'll quit sending them. So some of you are in in places and positions and you're in uh, political issues or maybe you're in issues where you see people all the time and you have a wonderful opportunity. I said this many times. When I was a carpenter working in the union down on the, the, uh, what's the subway called? Marta. I don't write it enough to even remember the name. I was on the five-point stations. And every day I had 30 minutes for lunch. And I'd spend 15 minutes of it eating, and then I'd spend 15 minutes reading the Bible. Inevitably, every time I pick that Bible up, you know what somebody's going to ask you, right? What are you reading the Bible for? And I'd begin to talk to them. I have really as... As a pastor of a church, I had more opportunities to share Jesus out on your jobs than I do here at this church. Here you have to sit and listen to everybody's problems. And, and that's important. And believe me, I don't want you to not do that. But we have a commission. We have a mandate while we're going every day. We need to tell them about Jesus. Inevitably, when someone else dies, I hear Christians say all the time, I wonder if that person was saved or not. And come to find out, they were around them all the time. Why didn't you ask? Jesus said, if the Holy Spirit is in you and you're full of the Spirit of God, then you will, you will tell others about me if we're being obedient. Some of you say, well, preacher, I'm too old for all that. I'm just too old to start now. Well, did you know that Caleb was 85 years old when he said, I want this mountain? Did you know that Colonel Sanders discovered the finger-licking good chicken at age 70? Ray Kroc introduced the Big Mac after he was 70 years of age. Casey Stengel was the manager of New York Yankees when he was 75. Picasso was still painting at age 88. Thomas Edison invented the mimograph machine when he was 85. So don't use that age thing on me. Well, I'm too young. No, you're not. 
I don't know what I did as a younger pastor with my kids, but I believe I scared them to death about hell. Because it was on their mind all the time. And you say, well, why? Because they were always bringing little boys to the door that they were playing with at the churches that I pastored and said, here, Daddy, you tell them. If you don't tell them, they're going to go to hell. Well, they're sitting there crying, scared to death. Because my kids out there say, if you don't get saved, you're going to hell. And then I'd sit down and I'd tell them about the Lord. Well, there is a little bit different method that we can use other than flat scaring them to death. But the truth of that matter is, that is the message. If we don't get it here, you can't get it over there. Just can't after you pass away. You know, I really believe with all my heart, and I'm going to share this illustration, and I'll close. We'll let, let you have off today, Jody. The angels got together and had a meeting. And Jesus, after he left, the, after he ascended into heaven, they met with him. And they said, Jesus, tell us, what's the plan for everybody getting saved? And what's the plan that you set forth before you came home? And he said, well, I trained 12 disciples. I sent the Holy Spirit. They would be indwelled by the Holy Spirit after salvation. And that was my plan, to use people on this earth to tell others about Jesus. You know what the angel said? You're kidding me, right? You mean to tell me you're going to use and rely on those people on earth that put you on the cross, that crucified you, that spit in your face, that you had all that trouble. You're expecting those people to carry the message. Jesus, what truly is plan B? Because plan A can't work. Jesus said, there is no plan B. You're it. You and I are it. If you're a born-again Christian and you claim to know Jesus and you claim to be spirit-filled, now some of you are not witnessing. Just be honest with yourself. You're not doing it. Some of you are just flat being disobedient. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can talk about a lot of good stuff, but it's not the stuff that people need to hear that are lost. I mean, you can show them how to build a tree house or do build a bridge or build a tree hut or how to play dolls or whatever you might do real good with it. But are you entrusted? Because you see, Jesus don't have a plan B. You're plan A. That's the only plan we got. Sunday school teachers, you need to be telling about Jesus, friend. You need to every once in a while be drawing the net and asking folks. Look, don't just take it for granted that, and I don't. I don't take for granted all y'all are saved. But I do take for granted that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you whether you are or you're not. I do trust Him for that.
I'm not smart enough, dude. I know I am. Without a shadow of a doubt, before I stand for you, if I were to die today, I'll be with Jesus. Do you have that assurity, that declaration? Because that's what the Bible teaches. It ain't a hope so. It ain't a think so. It's a know so. That's what John, 1 John teaches us. With your head bowed and your eye closed, let me ask you this.